Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. Well, if you missed it, my name's Rich. I'm one of the uh, leaders here at Rev. It's great to see uh, you all here. Um, I'm, I'm, we're going we're gonna to be looking um, in a passage in the book of James. Um, we've been looking um, at James, the letter of James in the New Testament, um, for the last uh, couple of months now. Um, and we've come to the end of our series in James. Um, so we're right at the end uh, of the letter. And we'll be looking at the last few verses from chapter 5, um, from verses 13 um, through to 20. Um, there's quite a lot to get into today. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how we get on. Um, we may, may take a slight detour on the way through, but we'll see, we'll see what the Lord does and we'll just be open um, to his leading on that. Um, the letter that James is writing, um, he's writing to um, a lot of the early Christians that would have been in Jerusalem, um, but through persecution, through oppression, um, they've basically been scattered and they've been spread far and wide. And James is essentially writing to all of those um, believers wherever they've gone and he's encouraging them um, to keep going. He's encouraging them to keep trusting Jesus, to keep living out their faith um, wherever they now find themselves. And um, it's quite a hard-hitting letter. Um, so uh, you might have noticed that James really doesn't pull any punches um, on the way through. Uh, he's actually um, kind of hits a square in the face, really, uh, with what he's trying to say. He doesn't try and soften it. Um, but um, it's actually really helpful uh, for us, I think, throughout the series. I think as, as elders, we've often wondered, you know, is this, is this too hard hitting for a season like this coming out of COVID where everything is just a little bit up and down and there's conversations about are we going back into lockdown over Christmas and what's happening with this and there's so much confusion, disorientation. But I think actually what's really helpful with the, with, with the letter that James writes is it, is, it just, is it just gets through all of that talk, all of that noise and actually just brings biblical, godly truth right to the centre. And actually, it gives us something that we can that we can put our confidence in. It gives us something that we can take hold of, um, and actually build our lives upon in the midst of what is quite a lot of confusion and discussion, and that's happening around us. And today, in James chapter five, verses thirteen to twenty, actually, it's no different. Uh, we're going to be looking um, at this subject, the prayer of faith, um, out of. Uh, this passage. So I'm going to read, um, the words will come up behind me, um, and we're going to jump in at verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers... 
If anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Lord Jesus, we pray that as we open uh, these few verses today, Lord, we pray that you would speak to us. Lord, we pray that you would lead us, that you would teach us, that, Lord, you would guide us. And that, Lord, you would give us humility to sit under your word. Lord, you'd give us humility to hear what you're saying and to take hold of all that you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. So James starts in verse 13 by essentially saying, look, wherever you're at, whatever your circumstances are, come and draw near to God. You see, in these first two verses, James actually gives us really quite direct questions to his readers and then gives what seems to be really quite abrupt answers. Let him pray. Let him praise God. And actually, the point he's making is that that regardless of our situation, that we can always come to God in the midst of those things. Whether whether we're in a situation or a season where we're praying for breakthrough for something or whether uh, it's it's a time of celebration, a time of praise, we're to come to God and we have a relationship with God um, and that relationship is expected uh, to develop and be cultivated over time. That through the ebbs and flows of life, through the different seasons that we find ourselves in, James is encouraging us to cultivate that type of relationship with God. Not just when we come to him with something that we need or when we come to something when things are going well, but regardless of our situation. A good illustration of this, I've got two daughters, um, seven and three, um, and at bedtime, um, we, 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 we try, I was going to say always do prayers before bedtime, it's not always the case, but we try to do prayers before bedtime um, every night. And now I'm a naturally optimistic person, um, so the room has always got more people in it than I thought it did. Um, <laughs> um, that's just my temperament. Um, and I realized that, that when we go to bed, I would often ask them, um, what was it that they wanted to thank God for um, today? And they might say one or two things that happened um, throughout the day, and then you know we'd give God prayers of thanks, and we'd thank him for that, and you know hugs, kisses, bedtime. Um, And it's great. And it's not a bad thing to give thanks to God. That's not what I'm saying. Um, But actually, what I've realized through conversation with other believers um, is that actually what what I'm doing with my children is I'm encouraging them to give thanks when things are going well. And that's a good thing. That's a positive thing. But actually, accidentally, I'm then overlooking those situations where they encounter things that don't go so well. So what are the difficult relationships that they've had today? What are the things that have made them angry or made them upset? Let's bring those things to God in prayer. And where I'm naturally optimistic, I just want to give thanks for everything because everything's great and everyone's having a good time. But the reality is life isn't like that. And there are seasons and times and conversations and relationships that we have to navigate. And actually, we want to bring the fullness of who we are and what we're living out before God. And so now uh, we use a framework um, that uh, Anise shared with me, uh, so I can't take credit for it. Um, It's this idea of being sad, mad, and glad. Today, what has made you sad? What has made you mad? What has made you glad? And actually what it does is it gives them the opportunity to just give the full range of their emotions. 
And actually, that's, how, what, that's what James is talking to us about. He's saying, come with the full range of emotions, the full range of experience that you have um, in God, and come and talk and pray with him about that. See, it's all too easy to, to skip certain aspects of our relationship with God and come and pray when things are going well, um, or maybe the opposite, come and pray uh, when we need things, or just when we want to get something from God, and you've got a list of requests, and you're like, hey God, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. It's interesting, I wonder whether that's part of the reason that Jesus gives us a model prayer. In Matthew 6, verses 9 to 11, um, referred to as the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches them how to pray. And actually, as you read through the Lord's Prayer, it gives a really rounded perspective of all of these different facets of our relationship with God. Moving on then, James really zeroes in, doesn't he, um, on this one specific aspect of suffering that he picks up on um, in verse 13, and it's sickness. And James... uh, 5 verse 14, it says, is, any, um, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And we see in verse 14 that there, 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 there seems to be an order to the way that things seem to be done. Um, it, James seems to be instructing that the responsibility appears to sit with whoever is sick to be inviting the elders of the church in, to be opening up themselves, to be able to making themselves vulnerable um, in that situation. And I think that the the person that is sick reaching out demonstrates a desire for, well, I think it demonstrates two things. It demonstrates a desire for them to gather the church around them, to surround them with um, love, and an openness and a receptiveness to prayer. It demonstrates a faith to be open um, to the prayers of faith um, that we read about in this passage to actually be prayed. Now, interestingly, verse 14, why use oil? That just seems a bit messy, if I'm honest, right? But anointing with oil actually is a very common theme throughout Scripture. Um, And oil um, was quite a common um, symbol that was used to um, consecrate things. Consecrate just means to make things holy or to set things apart. They would be anointed um, with oil. And in the New Testament, we see this idea of anointing with oil five times um, throughout the New Testament. Um, there's another time in Mark where actually Jesus sends out um, the 12 disciples um, and they go and they tell others to turn back um, to the Lord. They, turn, uh, they tell others that the Messiah is coming, that they're to gather together and they've come to come and turn back to the Lord. And actually, um, it says uh, in, actually I'm going to read it. It says um, in Mark 6, uh, verse 13. Uh, it says, And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. And that's exactly the same thing that James is picking up here, is is anointing with people with oil in order that they would be healed. You see, interestingly, um, oil represents a setting apart. And actually, when, 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 when we anoint with oil, that's what we're doing. That's what we're declaring over people. 
And that's why I think the invitation is important. Because I think there's a, there, there's a conscious step to say, actually, I'm submitting myself to the Lord. And then anointing with oil is about saying, God has set you apart. We read it in Ephesians, God has made you holy. God has forgiven you your sin. God has shown grace to you. And, and that oil represents God's covering of that person. And then as a result, there's great power when we pray. And in verse 15, um, we read that there is, there is incredible, real power. Power for healing. Power for forgiveness. It's interesting, notice that James doesn't make the point necessarily that sickness is an automatic consequence of sin. Sometimes, sometimes churches can get a, li- a little bit wonky on this um, and theology can go a little bit funny um, where we think that suffering and in particular around physical sickness um, is, is actually directly linked to a sin. Um, and that actually every physical sickness can kind of be traced back to a, f- um, a spiritual sin. Now, in one sense, there is sin that is at work within the world, and therefore sickness does come from that place. But it's not always necessarily an isolated in- incident that is as a result of an individual's sin. And essentially the idea is here that actually if we can just find that root, if we can get to that, 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 that point of identifying the cause, then we can repent and find forgiveness and turn back to Jesus and then the healing will come. It will unlock, it'll unlock something. Um, but actually that's, what not James, that's not what James is saying here. He says if, in verse 15, if sin has been committed, if your sickness is a result of sin, We've got to be really careful that we don't link those two things together. It can be a result of sin, but it's not always a result of sin. Um, because I, uh, essentially, the idea is that because I've sinned, therefore I am now living out this physical affliction. Um, if we believe that, then by extension, the, the, the opposing statement is also true. Just follow the logic. So if I, if I sin, therefore I am in sickness. If I don't sin, then everything will be well. I will be fit and healthy. And now, let's just, let's just follow this for a second. Because actually what you're essentially saying by that statement is that actually, if I do certain things, if I live out a certain way, then everything's going to be perfect, everything's going to be fine. And actually, that doesn't actually uh, account for common colds. That doesn't actually account for coronavirus. That doesn't account for some of these things that are actually objectively outside of ourselves. And I think it can be quite a dangerous place to be in. And we get to this place where actually it's, it, it, it's, almost, it's almost a prosperity gospel thing. We're actually, we're not clinging to Jesus. Actually, we're clinging to a set of a moralistic code or a law. It's legalism. We're saying we're going to put our confidence in the things that we do and not necessarily trusting in Jesus. It's interesting, this isn't a new idea. In John uh, chapter 9, verses 1 to 3, um, 
Jesus is um, walking along with his disciples, and it says in John 9, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. That's Jesus. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. You see, Jesus tackles this head on. Bam. See, the disciples can't get past this idea that something must have happened in this guy's past. Either him him or his parents must have sinned. Jesus flips it on his head. Jesus said, actually, it's not about this guy at all. Saying, this has happened so that the power of God might be displayed through this guy's life. And that's exactly what James says. That actually, when we encounter sickness, it's an opportunity for the power of God to be demonstrated through the prayers of faith. But you see, James says if, doesn't he? It's an if statement. And there are very real consequences to sin. And I would be, I would be remiss if I didn't say that actually there are consequences to sin. And if we try and think that that that, that sp- our spiritual life and physical life are somehow distinct, then, then we've gone wrong somewhere. If we try and separate those things out and create this disconnect, then it's wrong. But actually, spiritually, if we have committed sin, if we are in sin, if we are living in sin, if we've given ourselves to something, to not think that that would have physical consequences would almost be a little bit naive to think that those two are completely separate things. And that's why James uses this word, if. Because it's not always the case, but it is sometimes the case. And maybe, uh, maybe you're here today and you know there's something that's unresolved in your heart. And maybe you're holding on to bitterness or unforgiveness. Um, and maybe you know that there are areas of your life that actually you need to bring to Jesus and surrender to him. And, and, and maybe, that, maybe that is causing a physical illness, a physical ailment that you need to get right with God on um, in order to receive uh, prayers of faith and receive healing. See, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, Jesus also sets this pattern out for us in Matthew um, chapter 6 in in the, um, the Lord's prayers we read about. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive those who sin against us. See, a part of dealing with perhaps sin in our own lives is also recognizing the power that sin has, that sin can have over us. And we can be mistaken uh, if we think that it's only the things that perhaps we say or do that actually constitute sin. Actually, sin starts in our hearts. It's the thoughts or the ideas or the things that are perhaps locked away in secret that we don't tell anybody else about. The the jealousy of other people and perhaps what they have. Or maybe it's even even just habitual sin, lust of the mind, and and you're consumed by that. and And there's an uncontrolled kind of fantasy being played out in your mind. Or maybe it's even bitterness, something that's happened to you. And actually, you can't forgive that person, and you're holding on to a sense of bitterness. 
And actually that bitterness is, is beginning to take root. And instead of seeking reconciliation, actually it's taking root and it's starting to, 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 to grow and grow into something quite um, ugly. You see, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, that's an incredible promise. And to be honest, it's part of the reason that we have running partners here at Rev. Groups of three or four people that just journey with one another that just do life together, that sharpen each other. Um, I once met with my running partners, um, and, and, and one of the first questions that was asked um, was, when did you last sin? And then secondly, have you repented? <laughs> it's like a living, breathing James, <laughs> right? But the, the point is true, right? Actually, there, there, there should be a walking pattern of, of, of repentance, forgiveness, repentance, forgiveness, of turning away um, from those things. You see, sin in secret is so damaging to us spiritually, and that can then sometimes manifest itself physically. And then when we confess, 1 John actually talks about bringing those things into the light. Shining those, the light of God onto those areas of our lives where perhaps we might be gripped by, by, by fear or shame. We might be gripped by the humiliation or the disgrace that we might feel as a result of some of those things or the fear of what others might think of us. And all of a sudden when we begin to confess that to one another and bring it into the light, the power that that has is then broken. And there's an opportunity then for healing spiritually, but I also believe out of, the, out of James 5, physically. Because if we then read on, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. That's an incredible statement. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. When we stand before God, humbly before him, we stand before him and he sees us as holy. The Bible describes it as being clothed with Christ's righteousness. Being clothed um, by his perfection that covers our shame, that deals with all of that sin and mess and junk. And so what I'd like us to do, we're going to get a little bit practical and I'd love us to just spend a few minutes just praying for one another. Now, I'm not going to pretend that this is going to be straightforward, um, but I do believe, um, and as I've been kind of preparing and praying, I've, I feel like God's given me a couple of um, just words of knowledge um, just around the room. And I just want to take the opportunity just to be able to pray for people. So I'd love it if you could just stand where you are. It says in verses 15 and 16. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. 
Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Now, what we're not going to do is we're not going to get into lots of long, drawn-out confessions, moments with one another. There are other spaces and other opportunities for those to take place. Um, Running partners would be a perfect Spot. You can access the pastoral team, absolutely. I recognize some of these things will be slightly deeper. Um, we talk about this idea of strongholds in people's lives. And actually, where things take root and they, they, they have, they have a, a, a grip, they can often take some time to work through, right? And five minutes on a Sunday morning may not do that. And I recognize that. But at the same time, out of these verses in James, James is also setting a pattern for us that actually, as the righteous pray, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And for those of us that have given our lives to Jesus, we've been clothed in his righteousness. That actually when we pray, the power we access isn't coming from within ourselves. The power that we access is coming from him. And it may just be that in this moment, you just need to uh, just be preparing your heart um, so why don't we just take a couple of seconds. Um, if, you're, if you're not a Christian here, um, feel free to just observe um, and, 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 and engage with as much or as little as you feel comfortable with. Um, there's, nobody's going to lean on you with any unhealthy expectation. Um, but if you are a believer here today, then why don't you just begin to prepare your heart before the Lord and just say, Lord, I want to be open to, to, to what you have for me. I want to be open to your healing power. I want to be open um, to God what you might be doing in and through me um, this morning. Lord Jesus, we just want to come before you, Lord. We want to take these words uh, from Scripture, and Lord, we don't want it to be just academic knowledge. Lord, we don't want it just to sit in our brain. But Lord, we believe that this is instruction for how we ought to live our lives. And so, Lord, we want to come before you with humility Um, Lord, we want to come and draw on your grace this morning. Lord, and we want to come and lean into all that you have for us uh, this morning. Lord, prepare our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.